Hi, I'm Adam Payne, the host of the Keeping It Business podcast. I'm a multiple small business owner, a qualified business mentor, growth coach, and digital marketer. And if you'd like to know more about what we do, please visit www.newwaygrowth.com. Right, welcome to the latest Keeping It Business podcast. Top gentleman with me today, Casper uh, Kruger. Casper, please introduce yourself and your business. Hi, I'm Casper. I'm, I'm the managing director at uh, Structural Evolution. Um, we have sort of kicked off uh, September 2020, so we're still brand new out of the box. Um, we are now in our second year, which has been an absolute journey, uh, which we're going to discuss today. It's, it's going to be good to discuss it with someone. Uh, we specialize basically in um, the advanced composite uh, structures. Um, we we de- uh, pride ourselves in you know, high-end um, uh, FE analysis, hand calculation, design work. We also do CAD and that type of stuff as well. We do CFD fluid ana- analysis, fluid structure interaction. Um, so our main sort of market or goal is to solve complex problems for our clients where your standard uh, FEA approach, your, your built-in FE CAD and your CAD can't do the job and you need someone with a different perspective, we like to step in. We do also a lot of product development uh, and design verification and sign off. Anything from a small civil platform or crate to uh, large, you know, 20, 30 meter footbridges, uh, subsea structures, anything, anything that basically requires uh, an in-depth analytical approach is, is, is something we can support our clients with. Superb. Superb. Yeah, and at the, at the minute, uh, we, we are cast a wide net, really. So for markets, we do energy markets, civil market, and by energy, it's oil and gas renewable, um, purely just to see, uh, you know, where can we apply ourselves? Excellent. Now, before we start, I know you've got the Connex portal on the background, but I want yeah. to ask you, because I just spotted your logo, Does that is that logo in particular of anything, or is it just something you like from an abstract point of view, or...? So I, my, it's funny, my life journey sort of started off with mechanical engineering and uh, um, I worked in a factory and I was a, was a graduate many, many moons ago. And uh, I worked on a composite headboard for uh, trailers that goes up in Africa, these uh, 40 ton trailers. And I was itchy all over. And I said in my life, I'll never touch composites again, but I've only worked with it. I didn't design with it. And so the journey went on and I studied and I did my bachelor's and I came to Plymouth and I got into a company uh, which deals mainly in composites. And I, instead of building with composites, I designed with it. And the, 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 the material, the, the orthotropic heterogeneous material is so complex and malleable and you can do so much with the same. So one blade, you know, you can design it in so many different ways. And so it has different mechanical properties to serve different purposes. And I found the complexity in, the, uh, in its you know, fascinating. And I'm actually doing my PhD degree now in um, the micromechanics of composites. And that logo is basically just a sort of artist rendition of a weft, comp- um, sort of a um, woven composite fabric. Uh, okay, superb, superb. So, so if you look, look at our little byline for the company, we sort of specialize in advanced composite analysis. Now, I always say if you can design anything in composites, then you can, you know, you can, at, you can attack sort of high level steel and plastic design as well, because you're not just designing with one isotropic material, you're dealing with, you know, two components trying to do different things. And also each layer in the composites trying to, you know, you need to understand it on, on, a, on a very micro level, right through to macro to, to, to full assembly level. So 
I, the logo I went for is, is you know what I specialize in, but uh, we do we do branch out to the planet. Fantastic, yeah. it's, yeah. it's good. I was intrigued because I, I just as you got it over, I just noticed. That. I thought, oh yeah, it's going to have to have some meaning. There must be something. Yes, there yeah, yeah. With it, with it, the... it ties back to the composites, but uh, um, as I said earlier, so we're trying to branch out to the minute because um, life cycle assessment is becoming a big thing, and um, I, I believe that. Uh, the composite market, the steel market, even the plastics market, you know, the, the whole engineering is going to have to take a shift to take life cycle assessment, in, you know, up right from the start um, from the project and make sure that that project or that, pro, that product, you know, ticks all the boxes to, 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 to be sustainable moving forward. And um, I did start out thinking our oh, composite is going to be the main market, but, you know, there's so many people out there, it's so... Um, not saturated. I think there's a lot of players and good engineers um, out there as well. So we opened up to steel and plastics as well because uh, the injection molded market, especially with the cycle plastics, um, I think it's going to be, you know, a good place to be in because there's going to be a lot happening there, especially with fiber filled um, sort of recycled uh, fiberglass that goes into the fiber filled plastics and those injection molding and that. There's a, there's a couple of projects I'm working on at the minute which sort of is sort of heading towards heading towards that route because it could just it just benefits from an environmental and a structural point of view having that combination of the, the polymer and the, the, the glass and, and that's basically where that sort of experience comes in working with heterogeneous materials where you have glass doing one thing and the polymer doing another and you know you sort of balance the two to get like an economic effect there but also environmentally friendly so is that sort of spinning a plate which is quite nice to work with them yeah so it's very very technical to me that does i mean I, <laughs> I, I, i'm a mechanical production engineer uh years back um, yeah but um yeah i went into operations that and all manner of different things so stepping back so coming back yeah. to what so what, what where did it all start for you what made you the interest in in uh, engineering and it's it's a weird circle really um i when i was young i was i don't think you guys call it great up Apologies, the dogs kick off. Um, it's I think you guys call it grade eight of levels for I don't know. It's sort of your your A levels. Yeah. I decided I want to be an architect, and um, because my uncle was an architect, I saw what they do. I saw the drawing work. I saw the technical side of it, and I, and I really liked it. But then uh, at some point, I got into the mechanical engineering route. I was just at school. You were tested. You sort of you you have the aptitude for it. So I went and studied mechanical engineering because it's what was, it was close by, and you know it's within reach, uh, fell in love with mechanical engineering because it's so wide, you know, you, you've got hydro, uh, hydraulics, thermodynamics, uh, strength of materials. It's a very wide field, mechanical engineering. <clears throat> and then I came to the UK and I was bartending for two years, <laughs> just saving up and traveling a bit. And then I went back to finish mechanical engineering and I came to Plymouth of all places to further my mechanical engineering degree to a bachelor's. Uh, I got a job here in a company, which I said earlier, which works with uh, fiberglass structures. And I fell in love with uh, the architectural side of bridges. And, you know, I was, I was project managing when I was still employed, um, the uh, couple of bridges along the, the track up to, to London. And I designed a couple on the other side of that as well. And um, that architectural side of a bridge, which is, it's a 120 year life cycle design. And so it's, it's a monument. It stands the test of time, you know, yeah. I'm not going to be here when people still talks about, you know, where that come from and what that did. And uh, that sort of brought me back to that architectural route. So I did a master's degree in construction engineering um, while I was uh, working. And that sort of brought me back closer to the architectural side. And now that I've started um, my own sort of my own company, I would like to sort of 
filter back into the civil engineering, the architectural side of things. And then there's one market that I'll, is the large artistic installations, which I'm sort of keeping an eye on. Um, but, you know, those are just the, you know, as and when they happen. But again, it's the structural challenges that comes with working with those. Gosh, yeah, those... I, I was just going to ask you, what was the fascination with, uh, with the, the bridge and the architectural side? <laughs> Because it's, it's because there's there's so many boxes to tick. There's the economical side. There's the the structural side. There's the the whole lead time to install it. You know, as most efficient as possible because that's where composites come in. Composites is lightweight, corrosion resistant. You literally pick it off the truck. You drop it on four bolts. You bolt them down. It's it's that simple. Funny enough. Right. So it's that challenge of sort of getting you know getting that trifecta of time cost and you know uh, efficiency sort of just get it all all right and compasses really lends itself to that because you can you can really play around with it you, you can all, you can also make it too complex and then the thing is almost too cost too costly to build like if you start sticking carbon and civil structures then it, the price just goes through the roof so um, knowing when glass and carbon is sort of needed is is you know it's, it's, it's a different formula but uh you know it's it's is that flexibility that makes it nice to work right. with okay i see i note uh, i read an article uh, a few weeks back now I was with um a 3d printed bridge that had been put up oh yes they're doing it in holland as well now, yeah. yeah holland yeah That's yeah 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 it's and, uh, the, the 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 crew at delft university they're fantastic they they knew they they're always pushing the boundaries and 3d printing they, they're printing houses in japan now where hmm. they're literally printing concrete houses and uh and I think in China as well, they printed a 3D bridge. Yeah. And it's, it's all with uh, continuous filament polymers. And uh, it's where we're going. Like, you know, if you look at the International Space Station when it's up and running, um, they you can't send a spanner out when they drop one into space. So they just print a new one. So yeah. it's, and you can buy desktop printers now for 500 pounds. So yeah, no, yeah, we've, yeah, I've got, I've got, uh, how many have I got here? One, two, three, four, uh, four here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my house, and then uh, we've got yeah. uh, a load over in Stafford as well. So, uh, yeah, so yeah. soon we're going to move over to you buy stuff on Amazon, and then they send you the file and you print it at home. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. Yeah. Cut shipping out because the environment. If you look at a uh, life cycle assessment, one of the biggest contributors is shipping, mm. because if it has to be shipped on a container and then on by road and then go to your door, the 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 carbon footprint's massive. Yeah. So mm. so being able to cut that out is just going to make a massive difference. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, just prior to setting up your business, yeah. and I'll ask some questions around, you know, as you started up in uh, 2020. Um, yeah. How long did you, were you working in, um, were you working, because you're out in South Africa, aren't you? Uh, I was I, I was working in uh, the uh, sort of truck trailer manufacturing and design manufacturing sort of sector um, where we design trailers for all sorts um, mm. you know shipping up window frames grain uh, sheet metal we did trailers with walking floors you know it's, it's a constant change of different I worked in sort of the unique design team and we got chuck challenges all the time we designed trailers where they tip to the side and for the mining industry mm. Um, that was about two, yeah, it's about two, two, three years. And then I came over to the UK and then I got into the, uh, I was mainly oil and gas sector, but we also did civil market and I was in there for another 10 years. And uh, that's where my fascination was rebirth with structures, really. And uh, I got to a point now in lockdown where I felt, you know, it's now or never. Uh, I've always felt that I want to start my own thing. 
uh, because then I have a say of what I do it and how I do it. So if I make a mistake, it's my mistake. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if I see an opportunity, I can just go for it. Um, the first three months of setting up, I thought this is not that difficult. I don't know why people are moaning about it. And then six months came around and I was still just marketing and networking. And then I was like, okay, fine. It's, you know, it's just normal. Then when I got to about eight months, I was, you know, I was sweating buckets. <laughs> I mean, it was, and I was still marketing. I was still networking. And I was, I was literally, uh, I was at the, I was on the 11th hour. I got my first contracts in. And then when that first contract landed and the first sort of, quote was realized into an invoice it was just okay now i'm actually a company you know Ines, i'm not i'm not trying to make to be a company i'm not actually working <laughs> and uh i would say for anyone who wants to do it you know it's like jumping off a cliff and then building the plane on the way down <laughs> it is that's a good analogy it's what elon, analogy. elon musk said it's like uh staring into the abyss and chewing glass <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah it's yeah it's it's probably one of the scariest things i've done and uh but rewarding at the same time oh it's yeah. just i've sent out i did it I, my first year i probably invoice I, I probably quoted i did it the other day about ninety thousand pounds worth of work like physical quotes like good quotes i spoke to them everyone's keen and only five or ten or so realized you know people will see my tax returns anyway so there's no point in uh, hiding it but uh it it was i had this big grand scheme for my first year and i chopped that twice and then i was like okay well that's out of the window now <laughs> this is get through the first year and uh now the second year it's you know all that sort of legwork all the marketing all the networking you know all paid off and oh and my first contract literally just happened by i was walking the dog and i bumped into someone and he's like yeah. oh while i while you're here you know it's um and that contract's going to go into next year yeah. so yeah. and it's and it is some of those uh, corridor conversation yeah. styles that do actually bring out uh, yeah. the work. You know, it is um, a coincidence of happenings at sometimes. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know whether you call it a bit of good luck. I don't know. It I've, might be. I've, the amount of um, startup YouTube webinars I've watched is tremendous mental. And everyone I watch is, is just, you know, right time, right place. But I must say also, um, I must plug Connex because my very first quote I've ever put out was through Connex. It was my very first one and that was eight months ago. And uh, that finally realized because it's one of those where, you know, I'm waiting for them, they're waiting for someone, they're waiting for someone and there's always a chain and then sort of, that took eight months to realize. So anyone who starts this, you know, you might be lucky, you might put a quote in and they need it immediately and off you go. But so far I've not had that. So, so far I, you know, people come to me, they want to quote, a quote and at three to six months, yeah. that's the average. Yeah. And then even then, sometimes, you know, that job just falls flat. So. Mm. No, I'd say, I'd say with, the, with the manufacturing side, with, uh, with uh, uh, TCM UK Limited that I have, mm. I reckon that's six to 12 months lead time. Yeah, yeah, that's about easily. right. You know, I've, I've but, been talking with two, two projects were meant to kick off in July. Yeah, still not yeah. happened. Yeah. Be, yeah. I, I think it'll be possibly november but then i think when i get to november i think now nah, it could be the new year so that's yeah. what that's what my expectation is so yeah it is and i think uh, the good thing around it for me though casper is that you understand that you know that that three mm. to six months of of that uh, lead time from uh, mm. to, to conversion to start to conversion because people don't measure that and clock that and that that's a, it's a yeah. good thing to have that is it's a bloody good thing to have um the, is there anything yeah. that you would go back and 
wish you'd done differently. I mean, I know it's short, and, and but no. it's probably raw in you. And, and is there anything that you'd? you'd I, I think so. Anything that there's two there's two sides of it. I wish I knew it, but I also don't really wish I knew it because if I knew it's going to take me eight to twelve months to get kicked off, I probably wouldn't have done it because it's quite a long time to go without, you know, personally without any finances coming in, and also you know having sustaining a company for twelve months is is a lot of upkeep I, and you know i had to take on a lot of memberships i paid i, I got my own software um you know I, I i was set up from day one to make sure that if anything lands i'm ready i don't want to i was thinking of the idea of you know wait till i get a contract in and then get these things in but then you're scrambling and i'd rather be yeah. proactive rather than reactive and um you know i had to keep i had to keep all that up and uh it was quite scary but i think if i knew now what i if i knew then what i knew now I would have probably hesitated and I wouldn't have taken the leap. So I think a bit of ignorance is blessed sometimes. Mm. Um, the, the only thing is that um, I sort of, is, is the, you said earlier, the engineering sounds complex. That's about 40% of it. It's that's the, that's the nice part. That's the enjoy, enjoyable part. Mm. You know, that's the walk in the woods, really. It's all the other stuff, the marketing, the networking, the accounting, all that stuff that I normally didn't do. You know, I need to get my head around, which is, you know, takes up so much time and that, that needs to be time outside of office hours because I've got, you know, your office hours is, you know, contracting. Yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. sitting here at night reading about tax returns and marketing strategies and, <laughs> yeah. and that takes up probably more, that's more exhausting than engineering itself. When I actually get to do a bit of engineering, I'm like a little school kid. I can, you know, I can play around with my new toy and my software and everything. I see, I, I, I'm laughing because uh... Richard, that uh, we have the, the additive manufactured TCM UK 3D. And um, me and Richard worked together as the last, when we were uh, last employed. Mm. Uh, so we were both uh, senior execs within uh, a large corporation um, and running in the largest division. Uh, and I was operations engineering. And Richard was sales and commercial. Uh, mm. Our roles have flipped now. All oh, right, completely. So Richard yeah. does operations, and I do all the sales and commercial side because <laughs> I've gone to love the sales and marketing and the marketing yeah, strategy, yeah. and hence why I've got New Way Growth and all these other different things mm. now with the with the sales and marketing side. And Richard um, does the operations, so it's, it, it's, we always uh, always uh, laugh about that. But um, yeah. but the marketing is, um, yeah, everybody thinks it's easy, and uh, no, it's not. No. No, oh, no, it's... Not in a yeah it's it is early stages 80 percent marketing yeah. yeah and then and then your head your mindset is the strongest thing you, you need a good mindset. yeah you need you need to be you need to have rhino skin you just need to get yeah. through it and the thing yeah. is i need to i need to sort of plug also the cube at plymouth university because i'm a graduate as well i can sort of tap into that resource and they help young entrepreneurs um and oh well fresh entrepreneurs i want to use the word young so easily but anyway um so the, the, the cube is, is quite good and they sort of, for the, the graduates from Plymouth who's coming through, they, they offered a lot of help and uh, sat us down with accountants to talk and, you know, there was funding rounds where we could apply for. I had a um, funding to basically my, all my training for 2022 is funded through Super. the cube and Santander University. Um, I had my first round of uh, marketing was funded through the cube and Santander University where I did um, three videos with a, a graphic designer. Uh, from the design factory she's fantastic her name's nadia and um i launched my first video thinking well this is it you know i'm gonna launch this and then thousand hits <laughs> boom 
I had like seven views. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was so deflating. But I had uh, one of my friends from my previous employer. She's the marketing director there, and she did tell me, "Listen, you launch on this day because this is when people." Um, so you launch on a, on a Tuesday at 11 o'clock because, you know, people come back from and they have Monday and then Tuesday at 11 o'clock, they get this little breathing space and they get a little video to click on. And then, you know, they, it's the best time they found. And uh, I did that thinking, now oh, this, this science sounds sound to me. So I'm going to, you know, it's going to launch. But she did say to me, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> it's going to fall flat on its face. Yeah. Uh, and it did. And I sort of, the first one was, but okay, it's like I picked my chin out and then I went on again. And I've got two more videos to release, but uh, I'm sort of planning on doing a little bit of short stories in between them and then releasing them again. But, yeah, uh, you see, because I've always, with these things, with the, mm. the podcasts that we're doing here now, yeah. um, and it'll go to video. So I repurpose the content a hell of a mm. lot. So I could create a blog, create a podcast, create a, a YouTube video. Um, but snip them down as well. So make yeah. them these little one minute, 60 second... Yeah. Uh, video clips and post yeah. them the different clips post them uh, because yeah. it is you know it is all about awareness and drive and i think the generally it's about three to ten percent of the followers will actually only ever get to see them uh, yeah. but then when other people start engaging and liking with it it goes across there so it ramps up from an impressions point of view um, and that's yeah. right so uh, so yeah don't, i won't be i won't be disheartened about it you know it's because i'm mm. telling you now is that we we, we still do it can be so up and down, hit and miss, mm. uh, testing, and that's where the marketing you've always got to be testing. Um, yeah, we do LinkedIn lives, and we don't get anybody on them sometimes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, sometimes you get two or three, but it, but it's, it it builds, it gradually builds yeah. momentum, and it's to keeping this consistency, and it, gra- it gradually builds. So I won't be I won't be too disheartened yeah. about it. That's one all. thing at the minute which is quite tricky because all my contracts I'm working on is under NDAs, so I can't yeah. talk about them at all at the minute. And yeah. because they're my first contracts, there's nothing else to talk about. So I'm sort of, I'm looking at my board ahead. I've got a little whiteboard which I scribble on. And I've got like a couple of ideas where let's just gonna, it's gonna make up a couple of complex problems and solve them mm. and, and just post about it. Yeah. Well, one of the best things, one of the best things I do is, um, uh, is uh, in fact, I've probably got them up here somewhere. Uh, one of them is ask the public. So what I do yeah. is, so CFD, so yeah. comp- uh, computational fluid design, I would type that into ask the public. Yeah. Uh, and then it'll it'll bring up all anybody that's sort of like search for that and it'll say what is cfd uh, how is you know and it goes in through the what why how and just pick question out and answer yeah. the question okay and, that, and that's all that so on the on the elements that you've got cfd fea and things like that just uh put in ask the public get the questions and then just create a bog title about it and i'd recommend anybody doing that because uh, that's what we do we, we put in put in something we see what question fits a fair few questions say right we'll answer that one we'll answer that one we'll answer that one yeah oh that's quite good well and ask the public is like a yeah, ask the public dot, uh, dot com uh, i'll send you oh, a link okay. after this after this yeah yeah but even uh even on linkedin so my brother was saying the same thing he's a programmer and he's running he's running his own thing as well and he's, he does the same he's just sort of like answers people's problems hmm. um but uh yeah um at the minute i'm just trying to sort my own problems out yeah no absolutely <laughs> no no but i'm joking so um yeah. just uh, so uh, you've gone about the uh the cube was it so uh is that a particular area because you can give them a plug for me for, if they're open entrepreneurs and, um, and um, it's just the cube limit so the cube limit is basically just sort of like uh local enterprise unit uh, it's one of the things they do they don't many things really um but they sort of 
how young Plymouth graduates start their own business if they want to and also sort of give them advice there's so much training which is free training uh yeah. there was one about uh marketing there's one about accounting there's also um they sit you down with patent lawyers and accountants for three little half hour sessions uh just to sort of get yourself an idea of where you want to go and what you want to do and then there, every now and again there's large funding rounds which comes out and the beauty of it is this funding is 100 upfront so you get the funding you can go ahead and do it where I've looked at so much funding over the last year. It's ridiculous where as a startup, you know, they want you 25% match funded and you only get paid at the end. <laughs> so it almost beats the purpose. You can't touch it until you're three, five yeah. years old. So. It drives up the wall is uh, some yeah. of the um, funding we've gone for, for businesses with machines. It's like they need yeah. like 150K uh, cash for the machines. Mm. Uh, they can get the funding, but they've got to pay out the 150K first and then, then they get it at the yeah. end. And you're like, well, yeah, but if I had the 150K, I'd be getting Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the thing is, uh, so if I want a £30,000 R&D because I I'm, I'm want to bring a product to market, uh, you know, and then it will take me six months to get my head around it and do it, and I have to spend the 30000 <laughs> And then it'll take probably another two months to pay you out. So it's just like, I don't know, I understand it. So uh, I, I spoke to one of these uh, um, funding conglomerates once and uh, the guy says oh we got all this free training we got this and i explained to him my business and he he literally turned around and said yeah you're a little bit too young you know business wise uh maybe give it a couple of years and then you know get in touch with us so i'm like so <laughs> if someone has a really good idea and it's a young business they're just gonna have to just wait around yeah uh, it's, that's too, yeah but that's why plymouth university and the santander santander universities but santander universities is linked to loads of universities yeah, Britain. It is, yeah and it's it is fantastic they have been brilliant um and it's not just free money i have to really have to apply and do competitions and presentations and stuff like and um i've i've slowly learned i went through a small little one thousand pound and i jumped to a big twenty thousand pound one and i got my i got my house handed to me to be honest but i the, the feedback was from was from amazing yeah so right. i've no sort of learning from enthusiasm it. a bit and i'm going for a smaller one yeah but, uh, but, it's baby that, but as you say that learning that learning was yeah you know, even though you got your ass handed to you that learning yeah. is invaluable you know yeah but the, the feedback was really it made me actually uh stop and pivot and you know I, it made me think okay but they asked these questions that's really good questions and uh, i think it was almost worth not getting it uh, in the yeah. sense so i can sort of readjust and sort of carry on yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, that's yeah, uh, yeah. that's superb. And Connex, we know about Connex anyway. We've done, we've mm. uh, we've promoted Sam and his team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Loads we have. No, we have. <laughs> but I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to the relaunch because the, the new site does sound quite uh, interesting. It does, yeah. It really yeah. does. Um, it's it was, a uh, yeah, because he sent the email out. Uh, Saturday, wasn't it? There was a Saturday. Was it Saturday yeah. or Friday? Saturday. I think. That's one of my things yeah. to do. Still, I've got. A, I need to I pass it on to a couple of other suppliers. Yeah, so I no, I've, be, I, I've yeah. Uh, passed it on to a few now. Yeah, um, hopefully that uh, we'll get, we'll get it building. But that, but again, that's a good progressive, uh, forward-thinking community. Mm. Yes, uh, of of uh, manufacturers, engineers. Yeah, um, and and, and, and the, the fact that it's SME-centric is fantastic. Mm. It's yeah. you know it's like-minded people who you know if some 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 of the SMEs is ten years or twenty or well, how long they've been there, but they still. You know, they think like SMEs and they sort of mm. community-based. And they, when we did the virtual sort of event, the amount of people I stopped and talked to, yeah, it was just fantastic. Yeah, no, superb, yeah. superb. Mm. So where, so from your perspective now, you've, you've where you are and um, relatively comfortable, not, uh, you know, not uh, 
taking things for granted, but keep shifting forward. Yeah. What are you focusing on now? What is it? You know how? So we've, I've actually, um, we are growing up and uh, we've got a, um, an office space and we are moving into our office space in the 18th of October. And you it's both. worth, and I didn't want to go for normal office space. I, I, I hated the fluorescent lights, the fake ceilings. It, it literally it did my head in. And um, I found um, it's like a, the, the collective's called Eat Work Art. And it's um, they've got 15,000 followers. And what they do is they've got three places in London where they take like an old derelict building and, and they, they turn it into collaborative workspace, artist space. Uh, there's architects working there. And they've now actually taken... Uh, built a place in Plymouth. There's an old rope factory behind uh, Totem Timbers, and it's called Alma Yard. And um, they've, uh, you know, cobbled the main sort of um, what do you call it, terrace area in the, in the middle. And then there's like uh, all the little studios facing inwards. Nice. And um, yeah, and it's 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 a good community. It's um, it's varied. So there's going to be the artist communities in there, which is something I definitely want to crack into. Um, and it, it's you would think, well, why would a structural engineer look after art? But if you look at the big sculpture in uh, Ilfacombe, there's a nine meter sword, which is made from composites at the tip of that 40 foot, 40 meter structure. Um, there's a, I think there's something like a 20 foot or 40 foot Celtic cross, which is carbon fiber somewhere. There's a, um, a company in Southampton, which designed these, uh, it's like street lamps, but they were made flexible on purpose. So when the wind comes in, these things are whipping around but they are made to do that on purpose. So, you know, the, the complexity of designing something like that in composites, is just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's exponential. And that's what we want to go, that's what I want to go after because that's what our, our core skill is, is, um, you know, taking complex nonlinear problems uh, and, and bringing them to sort of market. Oh, and when I mentioned we is, Structural Evolution is still a director only company, but I want to establish the company and myself as two separate things. So what I'm focusing is new office space, and then growing. I, I would like to, in the next six months, take on hopefully a graduate. And then uh, um, by the end of the year, which is next year this time, we would like to grow into a bigger space. And then by that time, I would like to have maybe some sort of space for prototyping. So we can make small composite parts, composite yeah. molds, uh, and then also help uh, people develop their product sort of design through a bit of um, sample manufacturing and then eventually grow into some sort of a manufacturing space because I do the value that having manufacturing space next to your designers is, you know, is, is, is priceless yeah. because the, I've seen so many times consultants design something and it comes to our desk. Um, oh, and then also with the last 12 years, I spe- I've always been in an office next to a factory. So I know if I draw something, it's going to have to be laser cut. It's going to have to be picked up. It's going to have to be put into a mold and draped and you know glass does this when it's dry or this resin doesn't go with that glass or you know this type of stacking sequence don't go resin won't go through it and also if clients do come sometimes with wacky ideas i can say well let's try it you know let's mm. let's make a slice of it and you know see if the resin explodes or not yeah. <laughs> in a controlled safe environment of course yeah. but uh we ha- i have um you know we have to infuse really thick laminates before where the resin will definitely will just destroy itself and you know to overcome that you sort of slowly build a test procedure and having that space to do that and it's, it's priceless Fantastic. Um, so over the next two years that's where we want to go yeah you thinking about what you were saying there around the the, the composite side and the in the factory and mm. uh, uh mate of mine dave 
um he he does composites and 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 the art in particular around what you were saying around the art and he's oh, yeah. done things like um uh chimneys he's done a chimney for um yeah. uh, a refurbishment of like a, i think it was a barn or or like a stone stone um yeah. clad thing and and he and he created the composite of the stone for the chimney around uh, yeah. and he's done all manner of stuff uh, yeah. from an art point of view and i think over the weekend i think it was on saturday dave actually posted out where he'd done a he's done a the rainbow um uh pride um manhole cover a red oh, manhole color yeah that's your uh white is it white dave, uh, yeah. dave white is uh is, yeah he's made to yeah. white from uh, yeah, from, Woodbury, okay. from ashbury he is yeah yeah um and he's he's uh, got his own composite uh business cracking lad he is um, yeah yeah i saw, I saw the, the 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 article about the drain cover it looks brilliant yeah, no, yeah just, I, I, I don't know whether you, are you linked with Dave. If not, I'll link. I have, with I've linked him on LinkedIn. Uh, actually, yeah. I, I contacted him way in the beginning. And that's one. That's another thing in the start. There's actually people from my employment where I've I've made uh, a lot of um, contacts with high in, uh, direct, in, director engineers in large civil companies. And I reached out on LinkedIn when I was on my own, and mm. it was just a uh, tumbleweed. <laughs> and, yeah, it's one of those things that you have to sort of brace yourself for as well. There's a lot of people you think is in your network. Is yeah, it's not yeah. in your network. Wait, but, uh, I'll uh, after this, I'll tell you a little a little trick in uh, in doing stuff with LinkedIn to okay, to get, get people connecting me a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, um, that's Might increase the levels. Yeah. Um. So yeah, from uh, going back to the marketing side, went um, mm. Ashley earlier. Was there any one thing that really stood out for you on the marketing that worked the best for you or, or was it just a, a approach that you went you went through and an understanding yeah i think marketing i well i never saw so we have market I'm friends in marketing and i've, I've always uh, wondered what they do and now that now i know what they do it's quite <laughs> difficult it's quite a science to it actually yeah, so. it is, yeah. but my, my marketing strategy was literally just I, I had um a list of people that i knew and I just went down the list and I literally yeah. just contacted them. I reached out, uh, I, sh I shared videos. LinkedIn was my biggest marketing tool. It's almost my only marketing tool. I little, did a little bit on YouTube, but you know, it goes through to LinkedIn anyway. Yeah. And I built, my strategy was not this B2B sort of marketing where I've got so many people contacting me trying to sell it, sell it to me. I stayed away from it because oh, yeah, I don't want to bombard people with uh, people that I don't know uh, with stuff they don't need. Uh, and so I went from person to person, I scheduled meetings, I spoke to them and, and the beauty about teams and, you know, the, the recent years that stuff has changed uh, meant that I can do it from my home, own home. Mm. I didn't have to drive everywhere, which saved on costs and I could spend it somewhere else. And um, I literally just booked meeting after meeting and uh, I just reached out and I did talks like this. I did talks with the uh, ICE, the Institute for Civil Engineers. Yep. Um, and I did uh, a couple of talks uh, for universities. And I just kept reaching out, to be honest. And um, yeah, it's it's a slower way I feel of doing it, but the network is strong. Um, yeah. Those people are there; they're supportive. They're talking. They're passing my name on. And those who didn't come back to me, I'll get you later. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and, absolutely. And I, I understand. So some of the bigger civil uh, sort of industries. You know, they, you can't work with someone who doesn't have pedigree, and that's one thing. I lost, a, I lost a big contract because I didn't have pedigree, because I don't have a history, and they don't want to. They liked everything I do. They liked how I sold it. They liked my enthusiasm, everything. But because, you know, I could fold in the next month, 
uh, because I don't get a contract. I don't know. This is one of the reasons. And I said to the guy, well, thank you for feedback. And, uh, you know, if your project, you know, hits a hiccup and you need someone with what I've sold you, then please come back and we can talk about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I took it as a bit of experience and I went on. So yeah. in a year or two time, I'll contact the guy again and I'll say to him, well, yeah, now I've got pedigree. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So it's, yeah. it's like what we said earlier, so you, need, you need a bit of a thick skin if you want to do that. Because yeah. if you, if you thick take skin it, and, the, and the mindset to keep going is like you say, yeah. you turn everything into a positive and you drive again and go again and keep going. Yeah, that's, that's it's just it. pivot and readjust and carry on again. Because, uh, you know, the amount of, the second, the third time when I opened my year planning, I decided, well, that's just the plan now. I'm not going to look at it because I've now it's so ingrained in me. I can just crack on. I don't have to look at it. But um, I adjusted it for my second year. And this year, I've actually planned for worst, medium and best case. So, you know, I know more or less where I need to land. Uh, so, yeah, it's it, good. You, you learn as you go. <laughs> you did good. Good. Yeah. Right. So we'll come on to uh, some adult questions again, coming up to that hour. So, um, I was going to ask you, what's the biggest surprise you've had in the last few months and why? uh covid is not one of them no no um to be <laughs> honest I, it, we we uh we bought a little place just before uh, the whole covid started and uh, we have a big garden in the back and uh we've we've had so many fire pits and barbecues over the last two years it's been brilliant so i'm not complaining about it to be honest uh we've literally been in our own little bubble and it's been fantastic um my biggest surprise um is uh how can i say my my biggest contract, which is in steel, I didn't see it coming. Uh, I wouldn't. I'd, I've done steel design work before, um, but it's it takes a lot of it. It brings its own complexities. Sheer the sheer weight of it is just causing me so much issues to deal with because I'm used to working with very light weight and it's the natural frequency and the bounciness and the elasticity which is the problem. Now it's just the pure weight of the thing. It's it's I can't say much about it, but it's just this couple of hundred ton structure which is just not wanting to play ball <laughs> and everything is like 50 mil thick and it's just and you could to wrap your head around it and it's like the size of a football pitch and it's yeah it's yeah it's next level stuff but it's i never thought that would be my my saving grace almost because now i'm out of the gate you know what i mean and and i love the project and it's a completely different material and, and i'm learning new things so i'm sort of pivoted a bit and i'm doing a bit of um I'm back to steel steel design sort of um, my, my training I set out for the next year and I sort of took some out and put some steel work design in there because I do think it's going to have a place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I spoke to um, a chap from the highways agency once and we were trying to sell composite road bridges to them and he, he made a really valid point saying that, you know, it's not always just going to be composite meaning glass and polymer. Composite means a mix of steel and wood and advanced composites. So if you have that sort of plethora of knowledge where you can bring stuff together i think you can you, you can take your client's product development which is one thing we what we you know we pride ourselves in, and we can bring all that knowledge together mm. and provide the best solution possible rather than you know i'm a composite supplier therefore i can only do your comp your part in composites and that's why it's a bit of a shame sometimes where um uh, people's product development is done by a material supplier so 
they have a bit of blinkers on. They know their material very well, and I'm not going to take anything away from them, but it's a shame that they can't look at four or five different material manufacturing processes and then also three materials in each of those processes. Yeah. And then bring that together, and you'll find there's always a hybrid coming out somewhere. Yeah. And I see that a lot in design as well, where I take like 10 different types of designs, where two or three of them are like the pink elephant type out-of-the-box thinking. And you, funny enough, they sometimes do creep in a bit. You know, those weird out-of-the-box thinking and they sort of make it simpler or uh, puts a little bit of a niche or spin on it. And then, you know, and that's the same with materials and manufacturing processes is having all that and bringing it together. Yeah. So now, what, what I was going to ask you is, uh, which comes to my mind now when we're talking around the design, hmm. we were having a conversation, I think it was in the manufacturing hour uh, that I run on Twitter. And um, we're talking about AI and AI design. Mm. And um, I think it was something that was uh, done with Autodesk mm. in this bracket. And this bracket had brought, I think it was an aircraft for seatbelts or something like that. And, they, and Or one example was, and they, they, it was made up of an assembly, a design assembly of all yeah. fabricated parts. Um, and then the AI had actually created it in one part and it looked mm. like this tree sort of like started yeah. the way they've done it. And, and, and the, we're having the conversation and saying as humans, I don't think we're going to have that ability to design and think like that AI does with, do, do you know what I mean? Is, yeah. and, and this was the, or, or will we be able to, because when you looked at the two different, pictures one of this assembly that the human done one of this this one element that had been 3d printed and it yeah. was like a tree uh, you know with branches off completely completely different um, yeah it, it's it's called uh, generative generative design and and the, the thing and the thing is um if you look back at Brunel's bridges and if you look back at Brunel's structures and structures has been done and if, if you look at civil structures at the minute civil structures has morphed into these column beam type designs and because you go for column and beam and if you look at the civil design standards it's literally how to design a column how to design a beam and how to disconnect them so if you've got two straight elements in your design and there's some curved elements in the but if you don't not look put fea aside you don't look at fea you just hmm. look at hand calculations it limits us to square boxy structures and it's the same for your um, aircraft bracket it, it, it limits us our hand calculation ability to do stuff within time to flat plate bolt it together with the next joint so it's all you can transfer the load mathematically and that's how if you look at the the, uh, the suspension bridge that Brunel did in Bristol you know the, the chain link is all flat plate that creates different links and it's all you can literally pull it apart and do it by hand mm. uh, it took them forever but if you take the generative design which is organic design uh, and you want to do that mathematically, it will take you so long. It was possible. You can split it into little slices and design it bit by bit and transfer the load through. And you can, but you know, they do do that and they do it a thousand times. And then they pick out of those thousand the best one. And so artificial intelligence is definitely something that we're going to have to embrace. It's like people say technology made us lazy, but. It's only made you lazy if you, if, and this is a term I've, I probably should coin, is push button engineers. Mm. You know, I, I put in this, I press the button, whatever comes out the back, I believe. And, you know, they treat, FEA is like a black box. You know, if you put in uh, nonsense in, nonsense out. So I take for, I take forever to get the geometry perfect and make sure my mesh is good. And because, you know, bad mesh could, you know, give you 
you know, skewed results. So mm. understanding what goes on in the background, understanding the artificial intelligence, the mathematics, the, 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 the composite stresses that's being calculated in the back. If you understand what's happening in the back of the software, then you're not going to be lazy as an engineer. You're basically using that hammer for, or that tool to the best of its ability. It's like using a hammer the right way rather than sideways because you know if I hold this end, it's going to make like a hammer effect. Yeah. <laughs> but if you understand how to use the tool, then it makes you more efficient. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think with if you look at what's happened with the uh, tooling software, you know we can we can tool large um, 20, 30, 40 meter structures now, and they do a boat hull cut in one. Uh, and it made us, you know, we could that helps us grow the 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 marine industry. The boat gets bigger, more efficient, thinner, and yeah, definitely. I think artificial intelligence is they're doing it now on FEA analysis as well. So you can run FE analysis with artificial intelligence. So when next time you open up the model, it helps you set it up quicker and faster. Mm. So the setup time is reduced as well. So you, all you have to do is interpret the results. And they're probably going to write AI to help us go through the results as well. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, is like you say, though, is that, is that the, what, the, the things that set you apart are this curiosity of this questioning and challenging and, curi and being curious yeah. around what yeah. is happening in that instead of just going press the button and it turns something out yeah actually understanding that thought process because that's mm. the way that you we as humans progress as well and it yeah. will be a a uh, oh yeah uh, a hybrid of ai and and human um it, you know if you, the thing is if you look at the lead time of projects at the minute they're just getting shorter and shorter and you know the budgets they want to spend less and less because and then the other mm. things materials are getting more expensive but if you want to start reducing that lead time you're gonna to have to embrace this technology but you're gonna to have to understand it as well yeah. so always what i said to my graduates was um, instead of starting to build this massive complex structure and trying to analyze it build a really small simple uh, version of it or just one element of it and then run it and then do a hand calculation so you understand what it's doing and then build the complexity in so if you can sort of understand that background, then you can start manipulating the, the FE software to do what you want quicker. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely where it's going to come in. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, actually that one, hey, what makes you feel you're inspired or like your best self? Oh, it's um, freedom. I would say being uh, able to, take my laptop go sit in the coffee shop and work i i'm not constrained by uh, well of course you have meetings and stuff but you can have that anywhere but not being constrained by um i don't know how to say this differently but someone else's limitations or well, not limitations but schedule so if i am free to work and think and do as i want and not have to worry about procedures and you know red tape redundant red tape is it is stifling um and then yeah i would say yeah good answer, good answer. yeah in the difficult moments then i just stay focused on moving forward and making progress or well, taking time out yeah uh taking time out stop reflect i've i've one of the mistakes i have made quite a lot is sitting in front of my computer for 13 14 hours uh sometimes into 10 11 o'clock at night and the, the thing that I've noticed, and I've done this when I was employed as well, and what, you've, what I've noticed is you start feeling that I have to be here to do the work, but then what you don't realize is you start slowing down mm. um, and you're becoming less efficient. So I now try and make time and uh, go for a swim. I like to swim, especially I'm trying to swim throughout the winter um, or take the dogs out for a nice walk, not just our standard park walk, you know, take them out somewhere in the, in the woods and just get away for a couple of hours. 
Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's to even take a flask of coffee with and then go sit on a, you know, high sort of peak somewhere and just look into the valley and just sort of sit there for, with yourself. True. And sometimes that's where, you know, problems get solved. Yeah. All of a sudden, because I walk with the dogs and I'm on my own and I, and I think of problems I'm trying to solve at the minute. And then I'm, I'll th- not think about it for two, three seconds because the dog is nibbling my pocket because he wants a treat or something. And then uh, just because I get back to it and then all of a sudden I think of it differently and then it clicks. So, yeah, it's one of the, one of the things is definitely um, making time. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Totally agree yeah. with you. Going for a walk, chill out. I, I get to this point where um, certain part of times throughout the day, um, I sort of like go into like a, a standby mode, like TV. Mm, two o'clock uh, And I just and I and I just and I do and I and I could be here and I and I let, and I used to fight it. Now I don't. Yeah. I let it go. So yeah. I just drop and it, and I may may only be 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. It's just that I've gone. And I'm going through different things in my head. And, and, and normally when I come out of it, I've thought through something and gone, but I've had that relaxing, chill moment. Yeah. But also going for a walk, because uh, I, I do that, I do an exercise, I, I, you know, I can't. It's yeah. just, uh, I used to do my exercise in an evening, my weights and things like that in an evening. Yeah. Actually now I've swapped it, so I do it first thing in the morning. Yeah. So it's set me up. And I've actually stacked it now when I have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. I actually mm. do 100 press-ups whilst the <laughs> void. And that's what yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, nice. Uh, so just like this James Clear's habit stacking. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I used to call it anchoring, but... Uh, yeah. Habit stacking. But, but that's the thing is, in our, in our new office, I'm putting a sofa in. So, yeah. you know, you know, run the clock for two hours. I want to get a big hourglass as well, but anyway, like run two hours mm. and then just stop. Sit, mm. have a cup, have a chat, or go outside, because right in front of our office is going to be like a, a sitting area with a cherry tree. Go sit under the tree and just have a little chat. Just, yeah, just chat. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I now I normally ask these questions. One of them comes, I think, from Tim Ferriss's uh, podcast, which yeah. I quite like, which was, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Uh, what for the business or for myself? <laughs> you, yeah, business or yourself, whichever one. Um, well, I'd. Uh, I'll die if I have a billboard for myself, to be honest. I I hate I hate taking photos. I hate being sort of in the limelight. It's sort of it's against my nature. Um uh, for the business, uh, I would say, you know, help solving your complex pro- problems. Yeah. I it's A is from a business point of view, yes, but when it, when I get a complex problem in front of me and I sort of get and I start taking chunks out of it and I get, you know, get to the end of it or get over the peak of it, that's the best point. Not finishing it. It's getting over the peak, realizing I got I got this thing by the throat, yeah. <laughs> and I'm winning. That's the best time, and then you're riding that wave down. I, I really do enjoy it. I literally I gallop around the house like a little kid sometimes. If I, <laughs> if I because I'll be walking around like a bear with a sore foot because I can't. This thing is just breaking me, and then it's just it's just a eureka moment. Like one of my uh, supervisors uh, for my PhD said, a PhD is six years of scratching your head, suffering with 24 hours of Eureka moments. That's it. In a whole six years, there's like, I think it's even like 12 maybe. And um, all the PhD students I spoke to, I, I started my PhD with the same enthusiasm I started my business. I'm going to smash this in three years. Yeah. I'm, four, I'm four years in now. <laughs> and I've not, I've just cracked the back of it. And I'm still, I, I'm still not even, I'm still doing like really in-depth research and stuff. So, and the business is going to be the same. You know, I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm sort of getting a grip to it now, but the beast of this thing is it could turn on on a on a pinhead, and then yeah. I have to I have to, and that's the thing is how quick you can adjust to that and change direction. Yep. And uh, I think uh, also my, my my 
I've studied a lot and I think my lots of studying while working helped me get that mindset. So you run into a wall and then, okay, well, I can either climb through it, run through it, or I'll climb over it, run through it, or run, uh, get around it somehow. And uh, it's just having that mindset works. Yeah. That's, that personal development, I think, is always always key, which reminded me um, earlier when you were talking around <clears throat> the different areas of business. Yeah. Um, so you've got the admin, you've got the accounts, um, you've got the marketing, and then you then your actual day job. And I don't know whether you've ever ever read the book, The E-Myth. No, no. Um, and it is a, it's, a, it's one of the top-ranking books around this. And it is all about the journey of the entrepreneur and journey of the business okay. and, the, and the three areas the entrepreneur, the manager, and the technician. Yeah. And the technician is where we do the work, the manager yeah. and the manager of the business and the entrepreneur from it's starting up the business and how all three have to inter, interact um, mm. and play their part. And it's a really, really good book. Okay, well yeah. worth a read. I'm, I'm, just, I'm actually just rereading it again. I've read it a number of times. I've just, I've just yeah. picked it up to reread it again. Uh, but you ought to read that one. It is, it is around exactly that thing all around. Uh, how to and why businesses fail and yeah in the early stages and stuff good book good book uh, i'm just trying to think now uh, da, 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 da. <clears throat> you've probably answered that one What's up? Uh, which i was going to ask you if in 150 years science fails to save us and all that is left is a book about your life what would the title be and what would the blurb tell us about casper kruger yes so i would i would hope that it would say, uh, talk about the uh, environmental impact that my design work has done. Um, that's why I would love to get into the renewable market, but from a different sense, I would like to get into the renewable market as a startup, uh, not as, I would like to do design work for the renewable market to get my, my big wet, but I have a couple of ideas that I would like to bring to market and actually make an impact rather than just help someone else make an impact mm. um so if i do have a book that talks about myself is how i aided in turning this crisis around um because um i've got um google news pop up on my phone all the time that's dire mm. <laughs> i don't know why it's because it's the environmental stuff i always research and read about and but all the new news feeds that pop up is like you almost don't want to leave your house Mm. <laughs> so yeah definitely um i would like to uh make an impact in that sense i've not 100 sure yet it's going to be something along the lines of structures but um how that f figures in as i'm working on still so mm. my eureka moment in that department has not popped yet but it's always in the back of my head superb <laughs> superb yeah well, on that note, we will uh, leave it there. Where can we find you? I know we've got www.structuralevolution.co.uk. Yeah. Um, also LinkedIn. Else? I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, I've got an Instagram page as well. Uh, for uh, It's a couple of images and stuff. Uh, there will be more to follow as soon as uh, some stuff finishes. Um, or uh, you can just uh, email me at casper.kruger uh, at structuralevolution.co.uk. And I'll respond as soon as I can. I'm always on my phone. I'm always on my PC. Even if I'm out with the dogs and the pings, you know, I know, I do know sometimes clients have a need and they need to sometimes just even get an answer or a bit of guidance. So I'm happy just to sit and talk with uh, prospective clients just about their product, what they want to do. And even if I can just give them a bit of guidance on this is how I would approach it and they can go away and do it themselves or get someone else to do it, then fine. Then I know, you know, they're on a good path. 
that will make me feel that I've helped. Um, and if they do decide to, you know, collaborate, then I'm happy to do that as well. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, at least you, you've given value and that's what you want. Yeah. Um, the links and everything I'll put in the description of the podcast to anybody so everybody can get hold of it there as well uh, with a little bio. Uh, so with that, Casper, thank you very much. It's been superb. Thank you very much for the time. Thank you, everyone. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in and remember, success is not final, failure is not fatal, it's the courage to continue that counts.